Hey guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio, but when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, the MFCEO.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. The Big MX Radio Podcast brought to you by Sickrix and the Collective Experience. I'm your host, Brad Gebhardt, and it's that time of week again calling up Dave Drakes from the Collective Experience to break down everything that happened at this last weekend's race, Anaheim, to the first round, which was our Triple Crown events. A lot of things happened. There were lots of gate drops. There was lots of drama. Dave, how's it going? Good. What's going on, man? Hey, do, uh, to get into I, this thing, talk about some moto. Absolutely. Uh, it, it is the season, my friend. We're three weeks into this thing. We've had six combined different overall winners between the two classes, uh, a different guy on the top step of the podium every single week. Um, like Supercross, the guys over at Supercross can't even uh, dr- they can't even draw this up. They, they, there's no way that they could uh, they would they would just be just rubbing their hands together if if they if they could predict this before the season started. On top of the fact that in the 450 class, um, if you were to dial the clocks back to uh, like our pr- prediction podcast, we didn't talk about any of these three guys to uh to be like we talked about them sniffing at mains but definitely not making uh overall wins or taking main events or uh or anything like that um cooper webb this last weekend 450 class reestablished himself came out of nowhere um seemingly like obviously he had good qualifying last week but it seemed like a bit of an anomaly based on how he performed the rest of the night um I think that's. I guess that's where we should start off. Cooper Webb with the first two uh, two main event wins. Uh, I guess or the two race wins for the evening, uh, going towards the uh, the overall finish. What were your thoughts when he made the pass on the last lap there? Man, it, it was insane. Everybody was in an uproar. Man, the stadium was like just lit up, which is really nice to see. A two, you know, pretty energized since it's. Not the most exciting race usually on the on the schedule. People are kind of more looking at A one and stuff like that. But uh, nonetheless, you know, Cooper rode freaking phenomenal. I I totally dropped the ball. Like I'm sure everyone did with fantasy, and definitely count this guy out for a little while. And I think on our um, our review pod, we we even said that you know we, we think Coop Coop could either be really really good or continue with his mediocre yes. finishes that he had the last couple of seasons, but. We did say that if he did get on a tear and start really doing well, it wouldn't be till later on in the season when he gets used to that KTM. And he made us eat our words, man, because he looked super solid. This is race number three, you know, still pretty much the beginning of the season. Um, and he rode phenomenal, man. The way he was able to um, to hunt down Kenny, you know, because Kenny would gap a little bit and Cooper would have a, um, a pretty good section, especially after um, that first set of whoops going into that step, out, step on, step off. Um, really made up some great time there. Corners looked awesome. The bike looked like it was working marvelous for him. And he was able to just to make up time and look really comfortable doing it. You know, this is a track where a lot of guys were pushing and kind of going down a little bit. And Cooper was able to do that and stay on two wheels. So it was awesome, man. It, it, it just it brought more parity to the, to the rounds. I mean, going into race number two, no one knew what to expect or who would be a winner. So, um, so far, that's four different winners, four different mains, quote unquote, if you will, with the triple crown. And right. this is exciting, man. This is this is totally exciting to see a guy that no one thought could win just get up there and steal a win from everybody. 
For sure, and doing it in spectacular fashion and uh, doing a little uh, celebrating and coming across the the finish line off the first one. Uh, I'm of the mind to think that uh, he would have given a a point, a thumbs up to just about anybody that would have been behind him. It just so happened to be uh, Ken Roxman. Of course, they've got some history. What was your take on that whole uh, situation or the the, the celebration coming off over the finish line? Because you know there's a lot of people who have their take on it. It's one of the things that's probably had a little bit more attention over the last couple of days than it's deserved. But uh, what, what did you take away from that uh, uh, Cooper Webb being overly ecstatic to finally be having a win of any kind in the 450 class? Uh, I, I, I'm of the same mindset as you, man. I think if it was Tomac, if it was Barsha behind Austin him, it the same exact thing. Exactly. He would have thumbs up to anybody. I think he was just so happy to get his win. Um, you know, to do it while chasing the guy who's one of the notables to, you know, or odds on favor to win, yeah. uh, besides Eli Tomac. Um, I, I just, I, I think he was just so excited that, you know, he came from such a lackluster couple of seasons to, man, I'm chasing this guy down on a whole new bike. Uh, you know, I'm winning in Anaheim and I'm doing it in convincing, convincing fashion. Um, I just, I think he was ecstatic, man. He would have pointed at the, the guy waving the checkered flag if he could, you know, there's no one around him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I wouldn't, if I, were, if I was anyone else, I wouldn't read into it too far. I heard a few guys saying, oh, it was because of the controversy they had when, you know, they got together in San Diego and blah, blah, blah. But um, couldn't be further from the truth, man. I think he was just super ecstatic to win. Um, it, it didn't matter, man. He would have gave that thumbs up to a 50 rider. <laughs> he was just super pumped. For sure, if if he had uh, blitzed past one of the uh, the kids from the KJSC, he's probably still pointing at them, even if they're on like KTM. <laughs> um, what was your thought when? And I guess maybe you, I don't know if you've seen the broadcast uh, or if you saw it live, but on that last straightaway, I don't know who was on the inside there, um, but uh, that the the rider that was closest um, to the exit of that corner heading into the whoops, that was one thing that sort of hindered Roxon from making any type of last-minute, last-straightaway move to try and uh, make that position back, although I don't think he would have got there. Uh, uh, Kenny did seem to have to check up a little bit to avoid that rider on the inside. Yeah, I saw that. Um, you know, I saw a couple of clips. It's kind of hard from where we were sitting. We were kind of near that first whoops section yeah. um, in industry seating. But, um, yeah, it looked, it looked like Kenny had to kind of just change his body position a little bit. Like you could see where he wanted to kind of so had cut to like him a little sneak around this guy. I don't know who that exactly. was. Exactly. Was it, was exactly. it, was it, uh, Vogel, you think? I, I honestly can't even remember I think it's who it was. I was, yeah, I, 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 it just looked like you could see him kind of shift his line just a little bit to make sure he didn't run into him. Um, and that, that, that could have been it right there. You know, if Kenny would have, uh, maybe been able just to hit that straight line to the whoops and carry that speed, we could have had a different winner or we could have had a tie. Who knows? Yeah, something um, at least closer, yeah, I, I, or, or maybe maybe they'd have been exactly. so close that they could high five in the air. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, double thumbs up. Um, yeah, that that would have been neat. But yeah, I saw that just a little bit. But um, you know, I'm sure Kenny didn't let it bug him too much. He just regrouped and came back for um, for motos two and three. So um, yeah, you know, it could have, would have, should have. What this speculation at this point? But none of us. It was it was still really good to see those guys go one two. Fair enough. So we've mentioned Cooper Webb. We haven't mentioned the other guy who finally got to the top step of the podium uh, and, and now sits only two points out 
of the championship lead behind uh, uh, the current points leader, who I believe has a pretty sore ass right now uh, in, in Justin Barsha with a bruised tailbone. Uh, Eli Tomac finally uncorking a can of whoop-ass on the rest of everybody, uh, everyone in the 450 class, uh, including Ronnie Stewart, who, who miraculously was able to get 22nd overall, a.k.a. dead last in the overall standings, after n- never actually finishing dead last in one of the races. I'm impressed by that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. Honestly, I, uh, I'm kind of impressed with, with Eli's ride. Like the last couple of weeks, you and I were talking about, like, you know, the slow momentum he's had. But um, I, think, I think he played it smart looking at what he's doing now. Like he put himself in a pretty consistent position each week. And, um, and I, it looks like he's back to his winning ways now. And this, I think I texted you after I was like, is it time for the Tomac train to like leave the station? You know, like, is he, is he going to start his win streak at this point? Seems like it's a little early for him because he normally does it towards the middle, but, yeah. um, he wrote great, man. He, he looked like he, almost a different rider than last weekend. Not saying that he was bad last weekend, but he seemed like he was that more dominant, more headstrong, more, I need to attack and, 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 uh, you know, leave these guys in the dust type of Tomac. So, uh, we, you know, Part of me is excited because I, I do like watching Tomek ride. It's great to see how dominant he is. Um, and he, he rides that bike so freaking amazing, man. It's great to watch him. Mm-hmm. But I also don't want to get to the point where we see Tomek winning race after race after race. <laughs> and then just getting away from this awesome action we've had for the first three races. Um, it's probably one of the most exciting years that we've seen in a while with just so many different winners. And I just hope that as much as I want to see Tomek do good, I'm like, man, I really enjoy seeing these different guys win every once in a while, you know? Um, well, this last Saturday we saw a couple of things, including not not just uh, Cooper Webb uh, basically like making his first appearance at the front uh, front of the pack in the 450 class, and, and not only doing it once but backing it up in the next race, which I was probably most more impressed with his second race win than his first race win, uh, just in the fact that he was able to back it up. But uh, the fact that we also had Marvin Muskan, uh, Eli Tomac, and Ken Roxon consistently at the front every single race stop rustling those papers i can hear all of that um what are you are you, are you like are you eating a snickers like what are you doing no i'm readjusting my headset fair enough don't do that uh sorry <laughs> <just bugging. laughs> um but uh we like the other uh like I, I think there's like there's a little bit of normalcy in the results if you look at it because you had the like three of your uh your contenders that we talked about uh, in our uh basically season preview all at the front all performing well and uh, and all like either getting wins or being damn close to wins um so uh safe to say uh after a, a week off the motorcycle staying in california marvin muskan's knee probably in the best place it's been uh since the beginning of the season i think uh if he's, if he's able to continue with that program maybe ride once or twice during the week um focus on recovery he's not going to forget how to go fast on a motorcycle yeah maybe he loses that tiny little edge that some of these uh these top guys have but i think that he's that rest is better for him than pounding out motos at this point eli tomac uh dropping a uh h-bomb on everybody in that third race uh, just making everyone look silly and uh and ken roxon just about getting his first uh race win in uh, in supercross in any capacity since his injury at anaheim two two years ago so those three guys are about as right as rain when it comes to their speed. Of course, the fourth guy uh, we, uh, we, we include in that kind of big top four mix holds the number one plate. Coming out uh, today in uh, a press release letting us everybody know that he's got a broken arm 
and uh, and we'll miss some time. Jason Anderson's year went from bad to worse today. Yeah, it's such, such a bummer to see that, man. Um, it, you know, people were already kind of renting this guy off a little bit as, as it was, um, where he kind of came in as an underdog. They were saying, you know, he wouldn't be able to, to two-peat or back up his, his championship from last year. Um, and this is kind of fueled the fire for the man. Repeat, but sure. Well, yeah, repeat, two-peat, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a bummer, man. He, he was riding really good. He rode great last weekend. He looked like he was um, kind of, you know, coming back from um, that subpar ride from A1. I'll just give it that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he, he, looked, he looked decent in, um, this past weekend in Anaheim. Not the most stellar results, but it was still good to have him out there and kind of um, just doing a little bit of jostling with the pack and keeping things interesting. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's just it's such a bummer that we won't see him. That's one last guy that we're going to have mixing it up. Um, that might be some good news for some privateers. So we're hoping to sneak into that extra spot that's open now, you know. Um, right. But still, it's, uh, it's, it's a bummer. You want to see all these guys out healthy. You want to see, ideally, a, a 10-way race for the win, you know, every weekend. But um, it's, it's, it's part of the sport. It's the end of the game. I'm sure he'll heal up, um, be back when he can, and, and give it a minute of at, at this thing. But, yeah, you know, thoughts are out with him, and hopefully he uh, can get back to it before too long. Absolutely. And, uh, and so for that, I ask you, uh, I, I would imagine a broken arm, uh, not likely to need surgery, but definitely some time off the motorcycle at least a month, if not more. Does that mean that we see uh, Dean Wilson, the 15 machine, finally roll back underneath the uh, um, the Husqvarna truck? Um, for, for the most part, I think his, his bike's being built by those guys anyway. I think that he's, although he's got uh, uh, some conflicting sponsors and stuff like that, I think they're still taking care of him as much as possible, considering he is the uh, highest placing Husqvarna racer uh, and has been just about every weekend except for uh, except for the second round. And he's been extremely consistent. He's probably doing more for the brand than anybody that they got currently on the bike. And, uh, oh, there's another guy coming back that uh, might uh, put a wrench in some things about those, uh, those privateers you talked about, Zach Osborne likely to, uh, to return, if not Oakland, that I would expect him in San Diego. Yeah, that's a, that's another thing too. So um, yeah, I don't think most people realize that Dino's um, he's got some pretty big support from Husqvarna. He's you know camped right next to those guys. Um, even though he's not out of their rig all the time, he still has full access there. So he's he's getting he's getting some pretty decent support. Um, I do know that his title sponsors um, are an issue too. I know he wanted to make sure he did them right, didn't you know jump ship and mm-hmm. um, and neglect them for all the support they were giving him and stuff. So. Um, I think it's 50, 50, we could see him in there, but you know, you gotta remember, like you just said, Zach Osborne's coming back too. So, um, if he's back this weekend, then, you know, things are going to keep going as, you know, business as usual, but, um, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's really, really confusing to see that those guys did not sign him from factory. And I know we talked about it before, but it's just such a miss on those guys part by not signing him under the factory tent, man. It's, I mean, like you said, he's the, highest highest scoring husky rider out there right now and just from the from the fan attention social media attention it's just it's a total miss that's something you know and i'm really confused by that one but you know we've beat that into the ground at this point so um if i had to you know do my early prediction i, I think dino's going to keep with this consistent top five um streak he might have a falter here and there the sixth or seventh or whatever but i feel like he's really comfortable on the bike he digs what he's what he's doing right now with his program and 
Um, I'm excited to see how he, how he ends up. He could he could very well do better than Zacho. But, you know, overall, when you look at the point standings, man, he's just he's looking really good on that bike. For sure. And I, I also just like the 15 and 16 machine under the tent. I think that looked good. But uh, yeah. just for the optics <laughs> of it. Uh, I ask you this, uh, Dave. What do Chad Reed, Justin Brayton, Blake Baggett, Tyler Bowers, Justin Bogle, Ben LeMay, uh, Angelo Pellegrini, Alex Ray, Austin Politelli and Ronnie Stewart all have in common? I want to say subpar starts, but I feel like I'm off on that one. Uh, you'd probably be right about that, but they all got beat <laughs> by Vince Freeze this weekend. Oh, man. Yeah, I give Freeze credit, man. That guy Dude, that's ride. awesome. Like Gee, that guy, that guy can ride a motorcycle, man. And I, I, I feel like I'm the only like the lone man besides like me and Mitch Payton. But I'm a Freezy fan, dude. I, I like seeing that guy on the track and you know all the controversy and stuff. It's it's kind of cool to see it. Yeah, like it's like like just steady riding. Like if you 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 talk about the guys that he's kind of like in his little realm here, like in his like the people that finished around him. And I guess you, you kind of eliminate Justin Barsha from that conversation. Cause he went seven, three 22 because of his uh, enormous get off. But Justin Hill, Chad Reed, Justin Brayton, uh, Blake Baggett, all of which have uh, won races uh, in their career. Uh, some of them more recently than others. And, uh, and Justin Hill uh, has had some crazy fast lap times. Like that's, that's some, some elite category that he's, that he's working with. Obviously he's got a, a really solid Honda underneath him. Um, but definitely riding and finishing well within uh, swinging distance of some guys that we don't normally talk about him along with. So um, yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, just a hats off to, to Vince. I think that's pretty solid. Yeah, for sure. Uh, honestly, I thought that he would do a little bit better with Triple Crown format. I mean, Vince is a pretty good starts. sprinter. He's a great, he's a great, great starter as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I thought, I thought guys like him, maybe like a Sealy, mm-hmm. um, Brayton, those guys who were really good at getting out front and kind of setting a fast lap. Uh, maybe even Justin Hill would throw that him into that category as well. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure that they they'd be up there farther and 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 taking the spot where like Adino or Sealy finished. Um, but yeah, it just goes to show how much everyone stepped it up and how much starts really, really play into triple crowns, especially because I mean they're over in the blink of an eye. They're, those are some pretty quick motos that flash by. So um, who knows? You know, maybe we'll see you know, see those guys do better at the next triple crown, and uh, they will use this as a throwaway or something. For sure, and I'll also mention that uh, Vince Vince known probably best for his starts in heat races, uh, maybe not so much in main events. And I don't know if that's because if that's just like uh, the the nerves of being uh, doing this that same st- sort of amazing start in a main event, or if it means that uh, when, when everyone's on the gate. Uh, his starts are a little bit less exaggerated as far as how successful they are. He does like uncork some hole shots um, in main events, but uh, typically um, when it comes to main events, you, you'll have your usual suspects more up there uh, on the start than you have him. He is his talented star there, and I do I, I agree with you. I think he I, I expect better starts from him at this these other uh, Triple Crown events. Um, I ask you this, Dave: What do you prefer, regular format heat races, LCQ? main event or this three more format if, if if they had to decide to go with one or the other next year what do you want to see oh this is a tough one so being that you know i'm a big supporter of the privateers and you know through the collective and, and i know those guys so you know personally i i do pref- i would i would say i prefer the regular format because it gives those guys um some added tv time added exposure 
um, just more time to just show their craft, you know, on TV, which, which I think is, is ultra critical to those guys' success in the long run. But I also like the triple crown format because we have things that happened this past weekend where guys like Cooper Webb can sneak up there and get a win, you know, these quick sprint races. So at, from a fan standpoint, I think the triple crown is really cool. So I'm kind of a 50, 50 split. I mean, if I had to, if I had to pick one of them, I'd say probably regular format just because it gives the privateer some extra time to shine. Um, but man, it, it's, it's close. I, 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 I do like keeping things, kind of normal quote-unquote for supercross you're a traditional um, guy yeah but yeah yeah for the most part but man i mean the the triple crown has some great racing action just really really good stuff so um oh, it's a tough one man it's definitely tough i agree i uh i would honestly as much as i like the one moto format everything's on the line one race i get the the, the entertainment value and actually the uh the digestible um understanding of what the triple crown race, uh, the, the format brings to it. Like I trying to explain to somebody, um, that like the first race didn't actually matter that that is just for gate pick is really, you'll just have question marks about people head heads that have never seen supercross before. Like, what do you mean? That didn't matter. That let's see, that seemed pretty important. Um, so that I, I, I get, I think the, uh, the biggest thing for me, would be to see the um, have the even the highlight package of the uh, of the 450 and 250 LCQs to see how those like last four guys got in there and maybe some highlights of like who who was close to making it and like as far back as like tenth or something like that in the LCQs just give those guys who um, like the, like literally if if you didn't make the night show. Uh, you showed up at, at seven o'clock in the morning. You're probably there the night before, getting parked, all that fun stuff, and your night is over by what four thirty in the afternoon. Like that's pretty rough. Yeah, while it's still light out. You yeah, know what I mean? like you can start packing uh, up, and we're on to Oakland or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, for a few of my guys, uh, yeah, I was packing up pretty pretty early, man. Which, all of your guys, which was a which yeah, pretty much all my guys, which is a bummer. Uh, say for Alex, right? He he, he talked it out. He, now he made it mm. through, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it was it's it's definitely a bummer. But you know, it keeps it keeps him chasing that carrot and it kind of fuels the fire for the following weeks and stuff. So you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So who, who knows? Maybe they'll come out swinging for uh, for this next one. Which I think is Arlington, if I'm not mistaken, for the next triple crown. Yes, sir. Um, so uh, uh, before we switch over to the two fifties, um, two Anaheim's. Obviously, the Anaheim one is a little bit more of a circus than the second one. Any, uh, any like, was there less people taking part in VIPs? Was there just less traffic in general? What was your take uh, away from the overall attendance and the buzz around Anaheim two? Like, is it like a little bit more ho hum in, in on ever, all respects, including uh, people looking to uh, get an extra special, extra special experience with a thing like the collective experience? Um, I would say attendance is just a little bit dropped down from, from a one. And that's just, that's, it, that's always, it's always been like that. Um, a one will be jam packed. People will fly in from everywhere for a one. Um, but a two, it's generally people who from the Cali area, not many people, um, fly out for that one. So the pits look a little bit lighter. Um, I'm not saying it's, it's empty or dead by any means. It's still, still a, a pretty good time, but, uh, you can definitely tell by looking at the stands, but kind of, not, you know, not as many people are up in like the, you know, the cheap seats or anything like that because they're so full. Um, yeah, but you know, it, it's for, for A2, 
usually for our experience, not as eventful as, as A1 or something like that, but usually when we get towards like San Diego and Oakland, it picks right back up. So um, I'm not sure of the, uh, I'm sure there's a good relationship between, you know, Feld and, and uh, people who own Angel Stadium and run that whole outfit. Um, but it'd be cool to see this, that race go to someplace different. You know, it's, it's great having the Angel Stadium for Anaheim one, but I'm wondering, you know, if, if it moves somewhere else, would they get, you know, even better attendance than they would for A2? Um, I'm not a big fan of the repeat venues um, in, in a single season, but hey, you know, it's, it's what we got for this year, so we'll make it work. Fair enough. Well, let's throw it to commercial break here on the Big MX Radio podcast brought to you by Sickwick's Candles, sickwicks.com, as well as the Collective Experience. Head on over to the Collective XP dot com and uh, sign yourself up for an experience you you will like you will never get with any other service that is provided at Supercross races. Get yourself connected, make some memories with the collective experience. We're right back after these messages. Hey, Big MX listeners, thanks for listening to this episode. Check out these commercials, support our sponsors. We'll be right back to the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, Big MX listeners, let's talk a little bit about Sick Wicks candles. Sickwix is the small business that you may not have heard of so far, and that's why they're on the show right now. That's why we need to get you informed. Soy-based candles are phenomenal. They're not made with the same harmful chemicals that a paraffin wax candle are made from, and the scents are unbelievable. You need to check these out. The Morning Moto smells like coffee. The Privateer smells like beer, as it should. All these awesome candles, you got to check them out. They're motocross dedicated and uh, they, they, they burn nice and clean. They got that wood wick that sounds awesome. It, it pops and crackles just like a real fire. And uh, it's going to make your garage smell better. It's going to make your living room smell better. And if you take them into the bedroom, don't tell me about it, but enjoy it. You're going to love these candles, and you can find them at sickwicks.com. Head there right now. Enjoy them, and you're going to love them. Absolutely. Check them out. Only recently have the health benefits of CBD products been acknowledged by the masses. CBD is every bit as powerful as it is misunderstood. In the past, we've known so little about a vital system that exists in every single one of us. Medterra CBD products promote wellness and overall improved health so that you can be your very best each day. A passionate and dedicated staff have developed an impressive lineup of CBD products which help as a sleep aid, an anti-inflammatory, and for pain relief. Why choose Medterra CBD? Medterra CBD products are of the highest quality, purity tests are done extremely frequently, and their responsive and dedicated customer care team will guide you through your CBD journey. For more information or to browse Medterra CBD's products, please visit www.medterracbd.com. Medterra CBD, our CBD, your health. Since 1979, Maxima USA has changed lubrication. Industry-leading products have equated to hundreds of championships wherever quality lubricants are needed. Maxima has built a reputation for great quality by earning lifelong customers one at a time. Customers who trust in the complete lineup of products from Maxima USA. From our flagship Castor 927 mixing oil to our famous SC1, and the full array of market-leading products. Maxima has what you need on the track and in the garage. 
Maxima Racing Oils are proudly made in the USA. For more information, visit www.maximausa.com. We're going to do whatever we want, and if you're cool with it, you're cool with it. If you're not, we're still going to do the thing. I can just let go, put our middle fingers up with a smile, and let it roll. not just go out there and train to be number one because it's more losers and winners in this world. I grew up in Newhall. That was 805. I got into this can. I said, that is a badass fucking can. The beer's even better inside. We have a band of brothers. They're different. They just like to have a good time and live life, have fun, and kill it. Fast house is nothing but fun. We all want to feel good. The average guy can go out there, throw down. I did it my way and it's all that matters. It's not easy to do this shit. My girl's looking at me to support her and I've got a broken leg from dirt bike. You see a lot of people that fall out of it. It's all so based on results and being the winner. That mentality of the 60s, 70s, that's what we try to do is bring that back where it's not so serious. I don't really like the super competitiveness of it. I like to bring something that's more lighthearted. Probably all serious about it at one point and kind of realizing let's just have fun. That's what my old man did, and it just really resonated with me riding a dirt bike on that fine line of glory and disaster. Throw your leg over a bike and haul ass across the desert and feel free. 90% of people that own a motorcycle go out on the weekends and they just want to have fun. Can't ever take that for granted. Two wheels till the wheels fall off, man. Once I feel like you become a man, you know, you get off the track and you're exhausted. Just an ice cold beer, just nothing sounds better than that. This Fast House crew is going to break the mold how it used to be and maybe even then some. Big MX listeners, Supercross season is coming and that means the return of the collective experience. Nobody brings you closer. Nobody gives you an exclusive experience where you are part of a privateers racing program throughout the day i'm talking pre-race strategy filming practice session sessions talking about the racetrack meeting the riders getting cool swag getting to hang out with guys like dave drakes getting to hang out with guys like me at the track it's an awesome program and the money goes right back to the privateers you're actually supporting their racing program and you get a really cool experience check it out google the collective experience First thing that pops up, you can check out their intern program. You can check out all that fun stuff. You guys need to get on this program. Check it out. You can like Collective EX, I believe, on Instagram. Uh, the Collective XP is their uh, website, I believe. Check them out. The Collective Experience. Dave Drake's over there, great friend of mine, and he wants you guys to be part of this program. Check it out. Can't wait to see you there. The Collective Experience, a proud sponsor of the Big MX Radio Podcast.
Hey guys, this is Johnny Louch from the W Training Facility, powered by Crosley. Head over to Matera and enter Team W and get 15% off. The product's amazing. You'll love it. And uh, thanks to the support of Big MX Radio Broadcasts. Love being on the show and talk to you soon. And we're back. Big MX Radio Podcast brought to you by Sickwix.com. Sickwix is the one place where you can get the best soy-based candles. They're unreal. You see me lighting them up every time that I'm on the Instagram Live, which we're going to be doing today uh, in about one hour's time. If you're listening, you're obviously not going to be listening to this. Uh, this that's actually really ridiculous that I even mentioned it because I won't have this out prior to that. Actually, I probably will because I have a half hour between uh, posting this. But uh, they'd have to fast forward to listen to this. So this is just me rambling right now. But um, <laughs> tonight we're going to have uh, Shane McElrath on for Instagram Live. So if you're listening to this in the 24 hours after this is re- released, you can go to my Instagram uh, uh, Live um, feed and you, you can watch the 15-minute the interview that we're going to do with Shane McElrath. Really looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, the, the guy also stood up the top step of the podium after three races. I guess we got better. Three, two, one gets you 26 points on the night and he finds himself just that much closer to championship glory. It was awesome, Brad. I mean, um, you know, like I said, the triple crown series creates a lot of, a lot of exciting racing. And if there's one class that has that already, it's the 250 class, man. There's so many guys that are capable of winning. And I'd say they're even more closer to that top position spread across the board from the top five. Those guys are all so close in speed. It's crazy. Um, and we talked about it in, in a couple of pods ago, I think, where the name of the game in this class is consistency, and we see that in Shane McElrath. He's probably the only person that can kind of figure out that consistency game within this class, man. And you see it going 3-2-1, like keeping it progressing each and every moto. And he rode great. I don't think people give him enough credit for – his speed, you know, they, they kind of give him a same sort of dungy uh, accolade where he's always, always steady, always consistent. But I mean, he's got flat out speed, man. And if you, if you're racing tight with this guy, he's not afraid to, to mix it up. He never gets nervous and he, he can get aggressive if he needs to. So um, I thought it was a really, really good ride. I, I honestly, I wouldn't have picked him to get a win um, so early. I feel like I'm, I'm repeating myself a little bit, but um the way that Colt and Dylan and uh, AC were riding, I just thought they'd be on a whole other level and that Shane would take some time to get up there. But hats off to him. He rode awesome. And this, this track was a little bit rutted, a little tougher for the 250s to, to nail those um, those pretty decent uh, rhythms. So uh, he rode great, man. Awesome to see see that. Um, I'm not sure what the points look like, but I'm, I'm sure he tightened up <laughs> quite a bit. And um, I hope his confidence uh, continues down the road. man. I'd, I'd love to see him take this thing down to Vegas you know, between all five of these guys, just, just getting neck and neck, just tight racing. Yeah, the points are super tight. Um, Colt Nichols still holding a narrow two-point edge over Sugar Shane McElrath at 68 points. Dylan Ferrand is nipping at the heels, and uh, only eight points out uh, of the uh, championship hunt is uh, is Adam Cincerullo, who had uh, the up-and-down night of all up-and-down nights, uh, leading at first... Uh, washing the front end, uh, I, I joke with uh, his, um, his his uh, mechanic Brandon Zimmerman that uh, he, he doesn't have to use any simple green on the front end of that motorcycle because uh, Adam's been washing it all night long. He doesn't find that funny. I do though. Um, 
But uh, yeah, fifth overall, uh, I think that's the same position he had in the first race uh, that that uh, locks him down for fourth in points. But eight points out, Adam Cincerolo has shown uh, he's he's definitely the fastest man in the class. He's also the least consistent of those top five guys, top four guys. Um, so uh, yeah, if he's able to lock down consistency, no problem. He'll he'll wrap up this championship eight points. Can be uh, can be made up in, in a night's uh, in a night's work um, when you're when you're putting putting down the laps, but uh, yeah, like a four fourteen two is um, it, it, that's basically that's Adam's career in a nutshell, right there. Oh, yeah, I hate to say it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, everyone knows I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to bag on the kid. It's just that that's reality right <laughs> now, and he just needs to 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 buck that. And I think if, if honestly, if he's able. To like I said after our last uh, review, if he can show up and be Adam from Phoenix every single night, because I think that like if he's that guy, then it's completely in his hands. His fate is completely like controlled by himself. If he can be that guy, look out! Like he'll be he'll be uh, Damon Huffman, nineteen ninety six, all over again and just beat everybody's ass. But um, <laughs> until then, he's 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 a uh, he'll struggle. 100%, you know, like I was saying, you know, I'm a big AC fan and, and to watch, to watch him get out front for a little bit like he did and, um, and start to pull away. I mean, this guy was on a tear. People thought, all right, race is over this whole weekend. There's going to be Adam, you know, he's, he's, he's the fastest. He looks great. And then he washes the front before that little, um, that little single, um, over, over the finish line start or sorry, the, the, the starting gate, um, start area. But, it, yeah, it it it, uh, it was a bummer, man. It's like he's his own worst enemy. Like he's really stopping himself from from riding his full potential. You know, I'm not sure if he's pushing too hard or he's just you know overriding the bike a little bit or or what it is. I don't I don't think it's a bike setup issue because you know PC they they know their stuff, man. They they've been around for a long time. But if, if Adam can figure out how to stop these little mistakes from happening um, and to maximize points, whether that's you know backing it down a little bit and taking the second or whatever. He, he he can't afford to, to get fifth and fourth and you know even the third every, you know, every once in a while you, you can't afford those in this class and we'll say it time and time again he he's handing the championship away to these guys you know what I mean uh, eight points not a lot but in this class with, with guys like Shane McElrath or Colton Nichols who seem to have the consistency game kind of down pat this year um, it's tough that eight points is, is going to be tough for him to make up so. I hope uh, going into Oakland, he can he can figure out with whatever he needs to 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 stop these little one-off falls and washouts and getting tangled up with other riders. Get get good starts and then just ride the bike, ride out front, run away from these guys, and have a drama-free race. That's that's really what he needs. And if he doesn't, then he's pretty much handing the, the championship right into the hands of guys like McElrath or, or Nichols or Ferrandez. It's it's as simple as that. For sure, and, and uh, like after three rounds, like one round, like Anaheim one is always a weird one. You get some weird first winners. Greg Albertine won one. I think Pedro Gonzalez, not Pedro Gonzalez. Uh, that's the the one. Um, Sebastian Tortelli, that's his one win. Uh, Josh Grant, although probably should have had many more other 450 wins, has that one. Um, and 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 there's you, we've seen some some 250 guys just have unreal first first weekends um but colt nichols has backed it up every single weekend whether he wins 
uh, uh, one of these uh, races or wins the overall or uh, leads laps, the guy has uh, has shown to be extremely consistent. That's why he still got the points lead after uh, a third of this championship. That's pretty legit. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. Um, I don't know. Just just watching watching the races past weekend and seeing um, just, just seeing the whole the whole top three just ride like in pretty in pretty much formation, just just jockeying back and forth for position like that. It was it, it, it's it's pretty neat, man. I mean, I'll say it probably till the end of the season. Colts riding phenomenal. He looks consistent. He looks smooth. Um, you know, I was doing a slide on that on that fourth and the, and the third moto, but um, he he looks like he's like he's riding like a man possessed man. Like he's just he, he knows what he wants to do. He's riding like a season four fifty rider. The bike looks great underneath him, and the same can be said for for Ferrandis. You know what I mean? Um, I think Ferrandis needs to figure out just those starts just a little bit better and how to stay on these guys. Mm. So you can kind of see Nichols and, and um, whoever else is in front of them kind of has a little bit of a gap on him by the midway point. Um, if he can figure out a way to stay on those guys and, and launch that attack so that he doesn't give up that half a second or one second uh, halfway point of these races, I think he'll be an absolute threat. And he could, he could probably pull a Cooper Webb move in the last lap for the next couple of races and just make that pass for the win, you know, underneath everyone's noses. So uh, I'm really excited for Oakland. I, I, I can't wait to see these guys go at it this weekend. And um, hopefully RJ Hamtrak can sneak in there and, and, and uh, get his nose dirty in the fight. Absolutely. We got five guys that could seriously win races. I, I'm I, everyone's sort of waiting on uh, Dylan Ferrandez. Of course he wins uh, one of the races this last weekend showing he's, he's obviously got the speed to do it. Um, and, and get the job done um, between him and RJ. Who gets uh, who gets the first win of the of the, uh, of the weekend or the year? Oof, if the way it's looking, I'm gonna go with Ferrandez. Okay, uh, I'd ha- I'd have to say Ferrandez. That's that's my guy. I, I you know like RJ, like watching him ride. I think he's he's doing pretty solid this year. But the start that Ferrandez seems to be getting is they're a little bit better than RJ's. Um, and I think he's got that extra gear on him, honestly. Um, I'm going to have to go with with, uh, with Dylan all day, man. Fair enough, fair enough. So w- what do you uh, uh, make of the season of uh, the rookie campaign for Garrett Marchbanks? Um, excellent first ride. He's, he's progressively sort of moved further back throughout the, uh, the results. Um, it, it's, uh, yeah, like, like, I believe it was a, uh, a sixth. And then uh, I think uh, around ninth, and then this last weekend, uh, just absolute disaster for him. Uh, what does he need to uh, to get things back on the rails for uh, the upcoming rounds? I hear a lot of guys talking about uh, March Banks, and obviously he's a fast guy, amateur prospect, the whole deal. We've talked about it. I, a lot of people are kind of slamming his um, his riding technique. You know, he's a tall, lanky kid that went through a growth spurt, I think, pretty recently. Mm-hmm. And I've heard multiple times on track walk or in the pits or whatever, a lot of other racers are just like, man, you know, he's super fast, but his, the way he's racing, just, you know, he'll wash the front by putting, you know, too much weight forward or um, he'll, you know, he'll adjust his body weird through the air or over whoops. Um, you know, his attack position is kind of off or, um, you know, he, he's riding to, to where he'll end up getting hurt. You know, he's not riding the safest. Uh, in the safest position. So um, I, I wonder if that has to do a little bit with it. You know, he has a rookie. Supercross is kind of a jarring experience to get into, um, no matter, you know, no matter who it is, no matter how fast you are. It's, 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 it's a lot different than outdoors. 
Um, I, I thought for sure he'd have a little bit more luck. I didn't think I'd see him 21st place, you know, round three, but um, I, I think he just chalked it up to maybe, you know, nerves or um, maybe the race crap was a little bit off, but uh, it's tough. It's, it's, it's tough to say. I think I, I, I need like another race or two to kind of really see what's, what's going on with this kid. But uh, I hope, I'll be the big, he figures it out. Cause like I said, he's a great, good rider on a great bike. Um, he's got a great teammate who's, can really show him the ropes and show him how to go fast. So he's got a lot of good resources behind him. Hopefully he can, he can uh, capitalize on that and get it done. I agree. Um, coming into the season, uh, how much, uh, how much would you have bet that, uh, Chris Bloss was the highest, uh, highest finishing, uh, Husqvarna rider after three weeks? I would not have guessed that. And I meant to call to uh, text or call you, um, after uh, the weekend, because he rode very well um, for a minute, there, I was like, "He's seventh in points." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Who? Who's that dude in that on that uh, that Husky?" Because he's number one eleven this year. Yeah, um, Grant likes and, and watching him, yeah, <laughs> and you know, watching him, I was like, "Okay, whatever." Um, just some just some random guy, but uh, you know, after look at the results, you're like, "Holy crap, that's Chris Bloss, man! He's he's an, he's an old dude." You're talking about it. He went pro, you know, in carbureted four strokes, so. Um, actually, two stroke. He's telling me. Yeah, but he's back in '05, maybe, and you know he's able to ride with guys who are a lot, lot younger than him on you know some pretty, pretty good equipment, and he's riding awesome, man. He does not look like he's an old dude in the next class. He looks like he's regular young gun looking for uh, looking for the next shot. So um, hats off to him, man. Him and his team. They seem to have a decent bike. You haven't seen any DNFs. I don't, I don't believe from him this year. He's looking solid, man. He's looking really, really good. Yeah, making that uh, AJE Gas Monkey Husqvarna team look pretty damn good, actually. I, but if between him and Justin Starling, I would have expected uh, uh, like Starling to be the, the the faster of the two or the more accomplished of the two after a few rounds. But uh, definitely, if, if you're uh, if you're Bobby Hewitt, you're probably uh, knocking on uh, uh, Michael Mosman's locker, letting them know just about every day that. Uh, there's a, a guy uh, north of 30 who's uh, who's currently uh, finishing ahead of you on a routine basis. I, I would be surprised if uh, if Michael Mosman's even 20 years old. Uh, if he is, he's just 20 years old, and uh, cool. um, and Blos is uh, is 10 years his his senior. Um, like so, yeah. Between for him and uh, honestly for guys like Cantrell and uh, uh, Marchbanks, like those, like you got some team managers that have got to be pointing at uh, Chris Blos being like, hey. You gotta beat that guy, like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I believe it. Like, like you said, he's beating these these kids that we've talked about that you know that need to make something happen. That can't afford to get these bad positions. Um, looking at someone like a Sean Cantrell, you know, where um, he's constantly outside that top ten. You hey, know, don't start players. beating up on Chan- Sean Cantrell. That's my job. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not beating up on. I'll think that. I'll, you know, I'll let, you, let you handle that one. But okay. um, you know, seeing people like that kind of finish behind a Chris Bloss, who is an older guy on a satellite support team. Um, yeah, you know, you, we've said it before. You, you can't, you can't finish outside, you know, the top five on a factory and a factory bike, but that just goes to show how much better Chris Bloss is riding than a lot of the guys around him. And yeah. he's making his equipment. Whether he's up there you know, on the starts consistent. Exactly. Like, exactly. I, I wouldn't say good. like a subpar, um, but you know, if the factory bikes have an extra little something to 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 get you to the next level. And you know, whatever Chris is doing, uh, hats off to him. Keep doing it. 
Um, I'm sure he's given a lot of the lot of old guys like us, you know, some uh, some confidence when we get, when we head into our season. And you know, if he can do it, we can do it type of deal um, to an extent. No <laughs> but, doubt. Uh, well, seriously, yeah, like that's he awesome. he's old enough that's to have awesome. ridden eighties back when they were eighties, not eighty fives. <laughs> If yeah, he raced a 60, like he, he wouldn't have raced a Kawasaki 65. He probably, or a KTM 65, he would have raced a Kawasaki 60. That's how old this guy is. Oh, man. Yeah, that's going, that's going back. <laughs> like, you know, the, the, like the, the antiquated KX60 that hadn't changed since like the mid-80s. But uh, no, oh, I love man. it. But, uh, yeah, that's um, great. That's yeah. really great. So, uh, close, closing thoughts on the four, on the 250 class. Um, we've had three different winners so far. I think we're going to get at least four, if not five. Um, who do you think has the most amount of momentum rolling into uh, Oakland, a racetrack that will be ruddy, it will be beaten up? I know the soil that they have out there. It's not contained indoors, but it's been getting rained on for a couple of weeks now. Uh, so there will be some moisture in it. Um, I think we'll get the same moon crater track that we got this last weekend or this la- the last year when it was super treacherous. Who do you think has the most momentum in the 250 class uh, rolling into Oakland this weekend? I'm going to have to go with Mr. Consistency as of right now and ugh, probably going to go with Colt Nichols, man. Colt Nichols? You know, I, I, yeah, I mean, as much as I like him, um, you know, and and as well as he's riding, it's so hard to, to root against him, man. You know, he yeah. does have great guys behind him, Bacharach, Brandis. Um, those guys are those guys are, are on it this year too. But he always, I don't know, he just seems to be there at, like so far every weekend, even in the in the super super gnarly conditions of A one. Um, you know, ruddy stuff this past weekend, the hard pack uh, in Arizona last last weekend. Uh, we, sorry, weekend before that. Um, yeah, it's. I, I, I don't know. I feel like this is, you know, this is Colt's year. He's going he's gonna to make sure he's in the mix every single moto. He's going to, you know, adapt and ride, ride the conditions as, as, as best as he can and, and to his full ability. And uh, he seems solid, man. I think he's, he's money in the bank. Help him, you know, knock on wood, help him not jinxing him right, or anything like mm-hmm. that. But I, I just see him keeping this, this consistent top three streak and, 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 and and at least having another win uh, before we um, before we finish out this uh, this West Coast swing. So I I think he's my odds and favorite to win uh, for this weekend. You heard it here first. Colt Nichols continuing to dominate, heading on to uh, San Diego. Dave, it's uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. We're gonna try and edit this as quickly as we can so we can get it out before you and I go live with Sugar Shane McElrath in forty minutes time on uh, on my Instagram. If uh, you're listening to this. Uh, later this evening or uh, tomorrow uh, being the 23rd of January. Check out uh, Brad Gebhardt 88 uh, Instagram live story and uh, and check things out. It'll be a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to it. So uh, yeah, I appreciate the time, my friend. Don't, end, uh, don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we'll cut it off right there. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Radio Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by Maxima USA, proven under the toughest conditions. The Collective Experience. Access your dreams at thecollectivexp.com. Sickwix candles, soy candles, and wax melts for moto fans like you. Medterra CBD. Our CBD, your health. Find out more at medterracbd.com.